Buckle up, folks. It's time for So You Owned a VW Bus, the podcast fueled by the stories of VW Bus, Vanagon, and yes, even Eurovan owners everywhere. I'm Ryan. And I'm Miracle. Stories might be the fuel for this podcast, but quality parts keep us on the road and collecting these stories. Whenever we can, we try to get our parts from our sponsor, Go Westy. As we crisscross California, we stop by the Go Westy campus in Los Osos to interview the founder and president, Lucas Valdez. We are sitting in his office, and it's a true California office with his vintage racing bicycle hanging over his desk, pictures of his VWs and Porsches on the wall, and a beautiful mid-century modern desk. You really like that desk. It had a bar. I love that desk. It's hard to imagine, but at one point in time, Lucas's VW operation was considerably smaller. I had a, a mobile repair business in San Francisco. I had a VW Beetle, actually. That's how I got into VWs. My dad gave me his 73 Super Beetle in 1976 when I got my driver's license. And I took the passenger seat out of it in the rear seat, and I filled it with tools, and I'd drive around San Francisco fixing people's cars in their driveway. That's how I, I, I got made my living. Well, I was working on a 66 bus when I, just after I got my driver's license. It belonged to a, a, a friend of mine's dad. It was a 66 bone white Westphalia with a little square top that went up. It was a really cool bus and it needed a transmission repair. So I had the thing up on Jackson's in front of my dad's house in San Francisco. And I was trying to shove the transmission back in after repairing it. And I pushed the, I pushed the bus off the Jackson's. And I was underneath the van. I was, in the, I was where the engine normally is, but the engine was out because that's what you have to do on an old bus like that. You have to take the engine out first. Then you can get to the transaxle. Well, I pushed and pushed, and the thing fell off the jack stands. And I had a, I had a jack underneath the transmission. And for a fraction of a second, the body of the bus was on top of my forearm. The transmission bell housing was underneath my forearm, and underneath the transmission was the jack. And it fell down there, and I was the weight of the van was on my arm, and the jack squirted out, and I had a fraction of a second to pull my arm out of the way, and the whole thing collapsed on top of me. And I rolled out the back, hitting my head on the, on the rear hatch on the way out. And there I am, you know, laying in the street, a 16-year-old. I don't know how I didn't break my arm, but I couldn't use it for about a week. And I just let the thing sit there on the ground for a week. So that's, that was my first experience with a VW bus. <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> well, not quite. The history of Go Westy and Lucas is chock full of stories. We wanted to know more about how Lucas went from a driveway repairman to owning one of the most trusted names in classic VWs. The, uh, I started the business here. It was originally called um, uh, PE Products. And I made my, my business, this is before the internet, I started in 1990. And um, I had a mail order business for um, seatbelts. I don't know if you know this, but in 1968, uh, Congress passed a law that all vehicles had to have seatbelts. But it wasn't until 1990 that, that Congress passed a law that you had to wear seatbelts. So, <laughs> so when the law passed in 1990, there was this huge demand for seatbelts, especially for vintage vehicles that were older than 68. So I started a business making seatbelts for vintage Porsche, 356, 911, and Beetles and Carmen Gias and some old Mercedes. And, um, and I had these little ads in three magazines. And when someone wanted seatbelts for their 62, 356 Cabriolet, 
um, they would write me and I would send them a return envelope, the 10 pictures in a business envelope, mail it to them. And they'd look at the thing and they'd put a check in it, send it back. And I'd send them their seatbelts. <laughs> Man, the days before the internet were just so... Charming. Uh, quaint. That's fair. Seatbelts seemed like they were a great opportunity for Lucas, but we found out that he had his own personal reasons for choosing this particular part of the car to start what would become his life's work. After I graduated from Cal Poly, we moved to the Bay Area. I got an engineering job. Like I said, it, did, it lasted five years, and I was going to kill somebody or someone was going to kill me. So I quit that, and I went into a partnership with a friend. We started a Porsche restoration business in, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Redwood City. And that ended badly. Our, not only did the, the partnership fall apart, our friendship fell apart. We didn't talk for 10 years after that. It was horrible. So I found myself without a job, without a partnership. With, you know, we had two kids, that mortgage, and it was 1990. Like, what were we going to do? And then right about then, serendipitously, they passed this law. that Everyone had to wear seatbelts. And, it, you know, it, ironically, my first quarter at Cal Poly, I was driving my 73 Beetle out here in Montana de Oro. And I never used, used to wear seatbelts. I don't know if you, you guys are too young to remember this, but back when people didn't wear seatbelts because they weren't required, if you got in someone's car and you put your seatbelt on, it was an insult because you were indicating to them that you didn't trust them with your life. Yeah, so nobody, it was kind of like the, pol the politics of mask wearing. It's like you didn't wear seatbelts unless you were some kind of crazy Sierra Club, you know, or a Volvo owner, you know, Volvo owners wear seatbelts. But yeah, so it was an insult for a passenger to put their seatbelt on. So first quarter of Cal Poly, I roll my bug out here in Machado de Oro, destroy it, no seatbelt on. And I almost got myself killed. So that, and, and after that, I, I, that's my first Porsche right there. I bought that 62 coupe up in uh, Daly City with no engine in it. So I took all the running gear out of my Beetle and pushed it, put it in there. And one of the things I was really adamant about installing were seatbelts. I took seatbelts out of my Beetle and put them in that car and I wore them every day since that accident. Um, so fast forward 1990, they passed a law. I was like, yeah, I'll make seatbelts for those old cars. I had shifted my focus. My, my entire career was based on working on old vintage Porsches. And that's all I worked on was Porsche 356s and 911s and 914s and those kind of cars. And, um, and we were living here in Los Osos. I quit my engineering job in the Bay Area. My wife and I just rolled the dice. We wanted to be here. So we moved back. I rented a thousand square foot building back in the, the corner of the, the, uh, the property we're in right now. And uh, started working on cars. And uh, every day I'd come home. We were living on 8th Street. And I'd bitch to my wife for an hour about all these. You ever heard that, that joke about what the difference is between a porcupine and a Porsche? Have you heard that joke? No. In a Porsche, the pricks are on the inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was so true. I'd, I'd come home and these people wanted their stuff yesterday. They wanted it to be perfect. But they didn't want to pay any money. And they were just constantly making my life miserable. Even though I loved the cars, I hated the owners. I just couldn't stand these people. And I was home one day uh, in the front yard of my office. The kids were playing around the front yard and swinging in the swing. And I was twisting my wife's ear again. Kathy was like, and as we're sitting there, these VW campers are driving by our house. you know. And we owned one. It was one that was in our driveway. It was the car we, we loved to own and drive. And 
And she stops me in mid-sentence, why don't you start working on those things instead? And, and I thought to my, my first thing, you know, my first thought was like, you don't know what you're in. Half, halfway through my thought, I was like, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Kathy, as we learned, is in every sense of the word, the perfect partner for Lucas. Like many of the couples we've met over the course of our own journey, VWs were central to their story. When my wife and I were married in 1985, we had 1970 Westphalia. And um, for our honeymoon, we, just like you guys just did, put everything in storage, which wasn't a lot because we'd just been married, and got, got out of our house. <clears throat> and we took off for three months in our 70 bus. She was in her first trimester of pregnancy. And we drove 15,000 miles all the way around the continental United States and through Canada. Um, had a grand time. We did the whole thing. When we left here, we had all the money we could scrape together was from the sale of her, bu- her bug. She had a 66 Beetle that I had fixed up. I'd been working on it for months before our wedding because we had no money to go on our honeymoon. We were completely broke. And everyone was congratulating us on this, great, this grand honeymoon we had planned, three months in a VW bus. And we we're like, yeah, we're not going anywhere. We have no money. So we we're trying to sell this bug and trying to sell this bug. We couldn't sell it. And here on our, our wedding date, everyone's congratulating us. And Kathy and I are like, yes, we're not going anywhere. And at the wedding, an old friend of mine from San Francisco buys the bug and gives us the money the next day. And we were able to go on our honeymoon. And we did this whole three months on, on $1,750, fuel included. It was funny, about two months into our journey, we were in Nova Scotia. And so one of the things we did in our trip was, instead of sending back thank you notes to all of our guests, everywhere we'd go, we'd get a postcard from where we were, and we'd use that as a thank you note. And so we were behind about a week and a half, two weeks worth of thank you notes. And we got to Nova Scotia, we were outside of a, of a drugstore, and it was just pissing rain, just like dumping rain. We were stuck in this little box. It had been raining for days so we couldn't get out and stretch our legs. And, uh, and I don't know what one of us said to the other, but <laughs> before we knew it, we were swearing at each other and throwing anything that was close to us at each other, literally, like throwing objects at each other in this van. It was, the people in the drugstore must have thought we'd lost our minds. Okay, so Kathy convinces Lucas to work on VW campers, but why Vanigans in particular? And the reason I went to Vanigans is because the bus... You know, the bus market was saturated. They were already valuable. And, uh, and frankly, the VW Vanigans are a way better vehicle. I've always said the VW Vanigan is, is a bus fixed. All the things you hate about your bus have been fixed on a Vanigan. And, uh, and believe me, I, I still own my bus. We, the bus that my wife and I bought in 1986, we still own. It's in, my, it's in our garage, and we love our bus. But we travel in our van again, you know, or in our Eurovan. You know, it's yeah. even Eurovans are even more modern and work on, but they have absolutely no soul. So that's a different story. And the reason our vanigans were got such a great reputation is because I came from the Porsche world where people wanted stuff to be absolutely perfect. We restored vanigans. And when I was looking at it, I was like, this is not even close to what a Concorde Porsche would need to be. But people thought it, they were just fantastic because our standards were spread pretty high to begin with. You're grinding your teeth, dear. It's because he's right. That Vanigans are better than buses? No, that Eurovans have no soul. (laughs) Okay. All right. There is some common ground for buses and Vanigans, though. 
the most important thing to have in a VW bus van again or van again while traveling to keep it running is someone with a brain behind the behind the steering wheel someone who's paying attention who has who has mechanical sympathy you can't it's not like most modern cars where you, you literally just turn the key and go and not have to worry about it. it's all automatic you have to drive a bus and you have to listen to it and and be careful you have to be careful yeah. and if you're into that then you're going to have a good time behind the wheel of the bus well, I'll tell you another story about what my wife, her infinite wisdom. I was home once bitching about Vanagon owners <laughs> and the people we sell Vanagons to. And uh, can you believe he called me and said he was angry at me because the wing window was whistling? I mean, and she once stopped me at mid-sentence once and said, did you ask them whether they ever owned a bus or Vanagon? I was like, no. She goes, stupid. You know, don't sell a bus or a Vanagon to someone who's never owned one. You know, just stop doing that and your problems will go away. But, you know, and most people who came to buy Vanagon's and buses from us uh, were previous VW owners that were coming back around to the platform. But people who have never had VW experience, they were dangerous. You have time for another story? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So we had this, this lady uh, um, whose, whose name I won't, her first name, um, I believe, was Andrea. And she came down from Seattle to buy a van. This is back in the early days. We had this 89 automatic transmission Westie. beautiful. Had like 90,000 miles on it. She came down. She's very, very suspicious of us. The whole time, She, I could tell her vibe was one of that. It wasn't, wasn't that we we're going to screw her. It was just how badly she was going to get screwed. That was her, her, her way of, <laughs> of approaching us. So she comes down. She inspects the van. She pays, I think it was like $18,000 for this van out the door for a beautiful 89 white Westie with, you know, fully loaded. And she leaves here, pays us. Um, that e the next day I get a call and it's every other words, an F-bomb. She's just, I knew you guys were going to screw me. I, this is, you know, blah, blah. So I had to calm her down and explain to me what had happened. She goes, I was at the top of Kachuma Lake Pass. When you're going down to Santa Barbara from here, you can either stay on the coast past Goleta we can go over this pretty high, treacherous pass. The other, the downside to a Santa Barbara is just all these windy, steep descent. Well, at the top of the hill, the engine dies. So she had to drive down the, that long, windy hill with no power steering and no power brakes. And by the time she got down, she was just white-knuckled and just furious, furious at me. And, of course, I felt horrible, you know. This was just a used van. We hadn't done much to it. You know, and it's a used car. It's, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe something broke on it. Well, you're going to pay to fix it. You're going to pay to haul it back. I mean, this woman was really pissed. So we did. We sent the tow truck down. They brought her and the van up there. And she was just staring laser eyes in the back of my head with her arms crossed. Just, just absolutely livid. And we crawl under it. We look at it. We couldn't find any fluids leaking. I turned the engine over. It turned over fine. Like, what is going on here? I sit there, I turn the key on, and it's out of gas. She had run it out of fuel. And I said, well, look, it, it looks like you're just out of gas. She goes, well, you need to fix that gas gauge. I said, well, it's reads empty, and it's out of gas. So the gas gauge works. She wouldn't believe me. So we went, put two gallons of gas in it, started right up, ran fine. Uh, I showed her that it read properly. Took it to the gas station, filled the tank for her. Brought it back, showed her it read full. And the only thing she had to say was, well, my Honda would have gone twice that far on a tank of gas. 
This is what she said. And she hopped in that van and stormed off without saying thank you for the free tow, thank you for the free fuel, sorry to waste your time. Five years later, I get a call from her. I hadn't heard from her for five years. She says, hey, my engine just broke. Is there a warranty on it? That was, that was her, not even hello. I was like, uh, no. Okay, fine, click, Django. That was the only conversation. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Don't be an Andrea, folks. Be good to each other out there on the road. Thank you, Lucas, for doing what you do. Go Westy has been a friend to us while we have been trekking across 49 states in our own bus, Addy. You can learn more about them by visiting GoWesty.com. And you can learn more about us and our other sponsor, the Yamachowski Foundation of Switzerland, by visiting our website, OnTheRoadWithAddy.com. Until next time, friends.